This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 29 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. What's up? Lucas. Hello, hello. Nate. Hello. And Catherine. Oh, hello. So nice all-star cast again this week. I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying going oh, back to five people. Who's not an all-star that we get on, Anthony? Everybody's an all-star in my mind. <laughs> participation ribbon but regardless um it's it's been a week um and i think we do have to roll into talking about it and um I, i'm gonna start with the conversation with the europa league conversation so i mean as as we were uh rolling into the week i think a lot of us were very confident um we had a two goal lead they did not have any away goals so they had to score at least three or if we got one, they would have to score four. Um, so it was a pretty comfortable situation to be in. Um, we we got we got to to their their stadium. We had a, a squad that looked like it was set up that it should be able to handle the the team. I mean, it was uh, a little rotated, but um, but on a whole, uh, there, there was a lot of first team players there too that should be able to contribute and uh, score goals. Um, and then it just went downhill from there and it was a pretty dismal performance um i'm gonna start with nate on this this match like how were you feeling at the as you were watching this happen like what, well, what was the emotional state for starters in? we weren't really it was it was pretty much it wasn't like it was terror like we were pretty much in control the first half i felt like they didn't really get too much going for them um it was really like a nothing game until they scored. And it was a brilliant goal that Orsis scored. We had that beautiful curve off his, on the left side of the box. And then we just fell to pieces. And it was a pretty much 100% you could see it coming a mile away after that goal went in. Because it's been our MO, like, our whole season. If you think about our season, it's like, if we get ahead in the game, we usually, like, maybe we'll, we we'll, might end up dry, but we usually can see it out, no problem. If we go down, we are hopeless. We are absolutely hopeless. And this was just magnified to a billion because the moment that happened it seemed like it didn't matter who came in that they just that there was like no control of the game whatsoever the midfield was just overrun constantly nobody seemed to want the ball nobody seemed to want to get involved and we just had zero like composure and it was and it was like and it really is the stereotype was live and direct it was uh, it was turned up to a thousand. It was Tottenham absolutely being the bottle jobs that all our rivals tell us we are, and it was flat out embarrassing. Um, I think after the match, I've only been a fan for about a decade, uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe eleven years. So uh, obviously we've had worse games. Um, that was the worst one I've ever watched. Lucas? Uh, oh, I'm uh, sorry. I thought you were done. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we can end there, but like, I just want to like 
say that. I mean, we've had terrible. I mean, we talked about like the game against Colchester and the five-one against Newcastle, and and all those matches in the AVB share with time. We got just dicked on by all the big teams. But this one going in with a two-goal lead, where if we score one, it's over. Uh, against a team we are much better than a, a team from Croatia, and just getting just totally as Jose said, just like. It was about that we didn't look like we didn't, didn't give a fuck about it. And I just, yeah, I was just like, I was just utterly shocked. That's why it was the worst game for me. It was like, they didn't, they didn't look like they gave a fuck. Yeah. Uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, kind of coming off the back of what Nate said there, um, I was so embarrassed. Um, I think the thing that had me the most upset was the fact that it was on the back of that game on Sunday where – that game on Sunday was against Arsenal was we came out and we looked like we didn't give a fuck, which is to use the word like Nate said. It didn't look like we gave a rat's ass on Sunday. And I'm thinking, okay, well, these players have to have some kind of rocket up their ass going into this game because how, how do you have that as like – how do you do that on Sunday and then come out and have that first half against – Zagreb, and it wasn't like it wasn't like that first half was anything. It was very blah. It was like they didn't really have a lot going for them. We didn't really have a lot going for them. But there's always that opportunity for that second half to get out of control, and that's why I thought for sure, knowing that all we needed was one goal, we score one goal in that first half, that game's over, hundred percent. And I'm shocked that our players didn't come out with that in their minds, thinking let's end this now. And instead, we let a team. That again, it's a team from Croatia. They're the best team in Croatia, but look, we're we're way better than them. But these are all professional footballers. And I went on a bit of a rant with Tommy the other day about belief. And I know it sounds so cliche where this game's about belief, and it is. And it's when you let a team believe, and all it takes is that one crack. It's the same thing that happened to us at Ajax. Lucas Moore just doesn't go getting hat tricks willy nilly. But in that moment, he got that one goal, and then that inspired him to take that second crack, and then. That's how that shit happens is you've got to end that before they can get a foothold in the game and start to believe. And we didn't. And I thought for sure we were going to, I thought there's no way we come out after Sunday and lay an egg because we're going to have that rocket up our ass and be ready to end this and move on. And we were pretty much putting all of our eggs in the Europa basket and we fucked it. Yeah. Well, let's go to Tommy next. Well, I got two things to say. Uh, first of all, I knew we were going to extra time because when I uh, cough uh, downloaded cough the game, um, they actually had a link for overtime. So I'm like, okay, great. I knew we were going to be down 2-0 at the end of regular time. Secondly, I'm almost done with the game or with the regular time. I see Lucas come in from work. He has two buckets of KFC. I'm like, this is not a good sign because <laughs> he usually because usually drought or like usually when it comes to this, he just eats food and just goes into his room. So I I do exactly the same thing, but with McDonald's. With an Uber driver. Yeah, exactly. um, McDonald's drive through. Nothing wrong with that though. Mm -hmm. So I'm like watch so I'm watching the game. I'm like, okay, first half I'm like, it looks like we're kind of heating up for the goal, a potential goal, even though I know it's not gonna happen. And then like once extra time hits, you know, we got the power lineup minus Hoybeard. I'm like, we got to score here. I'm like, there's no yeah, excuse. And, of course, early, get 
I'm like, there's no, and then like, it didn't. And like, I'm standing up the whole time because I'm like irate and pissed off. And then I don't know how much of Lucas heard me because I'm in the living room and his room is right next to it. So I'm like yelling. I'm like, and like how you, Nate and Lucas were saying like, this was probably the worst game I've ever seen ever as a Spurs fan in almost 20 years. Like, yeah, we've lost like what four three against Man City when Joey Barn got sent off. Uh, we were up two nil against Arsenal in the North London Derby years ago, but at least we gave a fight. Like there was no fucks given. That's what pissed me off. I'm like, and I sound like such a homer when I say this, but I'm like, give me a team that actually gives a crap but has less talent, and I'll take that any day of the week. Because effort, in the end, always wins out. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't do anything with it, you're screwed. And and yet, I'm, we'll talk about this more, but like yesterday, like I actually wore my Dawson kit because I could be like, hey, at least I know this guy actually gave a damn and actually put in effort every time, unless I'm like these fuckers on Thursday. But, yeah. I'm, I mean, life goes on, but yeah. Let's go to Catherine next. Well, I definitely echo what all of you are saying, um, but I did want to highlight a few things because as both Nathan and Lucas mentioned, that the first half was okay. It wasn't anything exciting or creative, but Kane did have a chance on goal, at least in the very beginning of the of the first half. And they they ha- there was some semblance of being a team, but then... Like what Lucas was saying, and then, well, and Nathan mentioned that the midfield was just overrun and that Lucas said that it looked like they didn't care. It seemed like they just didn't have the fundamentals. And on Zagreb's second goal, Dyer's in no man's land. Davis is following the player with the possession, but he's not locking down the defense. You have Ndombele getting drawn out to the side of where the player with the possession has. So then that means Sissoko's in the middle with two Zagra players on either side, and he doesn't do anything about it. And so that just highlights what Nathan said about the midfield being overrun. And then at the end of the game in the post-match interview, which I'm sure you all have heard, um, but Lloris was mentioning how they need to go, like he acknowledged they needed to go back to the fundamentals, which is a little disconcerting because they're all professionals. Most are international players. And if they don't have respect for the badge, like what he mentioned, then what's the point in acting like you're caring? Going back to what Lucas was saying. Um, And with Tommy saying it was the worst game he's seen in over 20 years, Nathan in the past like decade or something, that means that maybe they just don't have respect for the badge. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't, but by the looks well, of I it, am. by the 100%. looks of it, it does. Well, let's get let Lucas reply here because I think you, yeah. you have something you want to that. I, 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 I 100% agree, and it's the thing that pisses me off the most is the thing that we've always separ- like separated ourselves as Spurs fans from the Arsenals of the world is we Arsenal builds themselves on results. An Arsenal fan can only be happy if they get the result, and if they don't, then it was a shit day. We understand that, like, look, sometimes football doesn't go your way. 
Like you can play the best day of your life and the other team could get a weird deflection and draw one, one. It just happens. But I will never be upset with Spurs. If we go out there and we play our game and we play our best and we show effort and it doesn't go our way. So be it. I'll live with that. But to roll out there and look like you don't give a rat's ass is the most offensive thing to a supporter. And I think on a slightly different note, it's that thing that we do where we can't close these teams, these lesser teams out early. And we let them grow into the game. We did it against Wickham. We saw Wickham score first against us. We didn't close out Marine for a couple, for like a half hour. And we got guys ripping shots off the crossbar. So like, this is something that we've done is we've shown this lackluster effort in the beginning against teams that we should just go out and drill. Like we did against Burnley, go out, pummel them from the get go games over in 20 minutes. And instead, we show up like, eh, whatever. Maybe they'll just hand us a trophy. And this is the result. Nate? It's very much like that. And I think I want to say a couple things. It's like it's like if a team gets physical with us early, forget about it. We got no shot. Like, you talk about Burnley and you talk about Palace and how we were able to, like, whoop them 4 nothing 4-1. It's because they sat back on us. Same thing happened with West Brom. With Leeds, when we beat Leeds, it was because they were too much on the front foot. We were able to just uh, press them out of it. But if there's a team that, like, challenges us and challenges our midfield, forget about it. We have no chance. It's been like that. It's like, And it's been a constant feature the last two-plus years about not getting 50-50 balls. Like, I feel like every game, just about every game this season, it feels like we've, like, every team's outworked us, which is, like, incredibly annoying. Um and then the second thing I think the most disconcerting is that the guys that I think are the most responsible used to be like such big hard workers. And here's the guys I think that are responsible. And it's a bit telling with, with who was on the bench for the Villa game. But Bailey Alley, I don't want to ever see him play for us again, to be honest. And I can go into that more later. Harry Winks, same. Musa Sissoko, sorry, I'm done with him after that performance. Um, and Eric Dyer. Oh God! Yeah, I don't. I don't. There's like after the game, I made a I made a post about like I don't. I don't want to see anybody. I don't. I don't. I, I will. If I never saw any of those players play again, I wouldn't care. That might be a little bit ridiculous, but those four specifically, I think seeing them come back on the field playing for us would actively make me angry. Aside, maybe Sissoko a bit aside, but like, but we can talk about Villa game too. We'll talk about that in the second half. Like, Delhi. There was a moment early in the in the first half, actually, where he got played through on goal. And he had all the time in the world to take a couple touches and get closer in. And he tries to hit it first time, completely whiffs it, completely misses it. Try to do something clever. I think he, I think he actually tried to do, look like he tried to do like some Rabona shit with it. And he's laughing. And, and, and I, I started thinking about it. And there's been multiple occasions in the last couple of games that he's come on where we've lost, including North London Derby. Well, he's been laughing on the field. That's not the deli we used to have, where he'd get, like, legitimately upset and angry and competitive and stuff like that. Harry Winks, I mean, he made comments earlier in the season about about minutes. Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, seriously, what have you done? What have you done in the last three years that makes you think you're worth a shit? Stoko has Eric the same Dyer. amount of goals and assists as Winks in the does. worst form of his life right now. Oh, I don't think I'm having a problem at all with the press. Have you watched yourself? Musa Sissoko makes the comments after the Fulham game about not about getting nervous and not playing as much offense. 
who the fuck are you guys? Seriously. And like, do you and even it, know the, the motto? You watch the, game, watch the game on Thursday, and it's those four fucking up constantly. Like, Delhi Ali, where everyone ever sees, like, so many people I respect, like, that I listen to podcasts and things where I'm like, we're like, took his side over Jose Mourinho. Fuck him. Like, and I was, I was one of them that thought he was getting unfairly frozen out. I was wrong. Dead wrong. He doesn't, like, I, I, he doesn't need to be on the bench anymore for me after some of the stuff he's done. Like, I've turned into, like, the full on, like, gammon person with this. Like, it's, uh, it's a little bit ridiculous hearing myself, but like I really believe that that when he plays, like he just doesn't bring it, like he needs to, and that Jose looks fully justified to have left him out so long and to give other yeah. people thoughts. Uh, Lucas, uh, you have a response to that? Yeah, I, and I think to Nate's point, what what drives me even more insane is you would think that these opportunities for guys like that would be the time where effort would be, and Jose's shown that effort is something that he very much values. Yeah, guys like Bergvine. Bergvine can't score if he. he Literally couldn't hit the frame. Like if his life depended on it. Bergvine can't score, but Bergvine works his ass off when he's out there. Jose values that. So you would think that when these guys get these opportunities in these Europa games or in these odd starts here and there, you would think that for them, that would be like, I'm going to go out and give everything I possibly have. And you just don't see it. And Nate mentioned a couple of names there. I actually have a fucking list. I made a list <laughs> of guys that I hope I, I have a list, list of guys. Is. The list is called players that are shit. Not good enough or need replacing. And that's Doherty, Dyer, Sanchez, Lamella, Davis, Winks, Sissoko, Bergwijn, Lacelso, and Deli. And Lacelso is an iffy one, but it's just about fitness. But I mean, those like that's ten guys that I can think of off the top of my head. And I know I kind of wanted to steer this into a Jose conversation a little bit, but I kept asking myself, like, is it Jose's fault? And I'm like, how is these are professional footballers? And everyone's like, oh well, Jose didn't have them ready to play. I'm like, how do you need to be told to go play a European game at night, like a Thursday night European game? How do you need to be told to go get up for that? You're a fucking professional. Well, Stagger have had all, their manager accounts, sacked. By all accounts, to, from what Hugo said, uh, that Jose certainly did that. Like he did. Yeah. Have, so he it's a, did have the speech to bring them so up. So weird, isn't it? Because you're it's, hearing these you're players hearing, are fucking soft. We're hearing this in, in, like, in like the media narrative is against Mourinho, and a lot of the fans are against Mourinho. And to be fair, like, and he even came out and said, it's my team, so it's my failure. And it is his failure because he came in and he said, this is a team good enough. And maybe he thought that, and we all thought that too. This was a team good enough to challenge for the title based on what we had seen in the prime pot era from a lot of these guys, based on the talent of the other guys, based on the kind of continually amazing growth of players like Kane and Son, based on how Hoybier was playing at the beginning of the season, based on how Bergvine started when he came to us, based on how Lo Celso finished last season, based on how Lindombele was coming on, we thought, based on Bale, we thought we had one of the best squads in the, in the country coming into this season. And there's just, and then the effort has just been piss poor. And I don't want to say, like, after that game, and, and, and the North London Derby quick succession, I pretty much came, I like said, like, I, maybe, I think he might need to go just because of how, like, how, like, just the energy around the club is just so bad. And even Hugo, Hugo mentioned that. But, like, I don't know anymore. I really don't. Because when, pe- when Hugo's come out and said what he said, what some of the players have said after the uh, Villa game, 
it's not the same as when the guys were in, in Jose's past when they when teams would turn on him. And they did turn on him. But you're seeing, you're hearing you know, a ton of conflicting messages. Like a lot of the guys seem like the, the guys that are playing and the and the professionals, the Hugos, the Canes, the Suns, the Lucases, they seem to still back. So yeah. I feel like it might like after this week, like even though in the media after game, I thought Jose to go, but like after this week I'm thinking maybe it is the squad more. Maybe it doesn't matter who's managing if some of these guys are still there. So I really don't know. Tommy? Yeah, a few things. So what Lucas was saying about motivation, the other issue with motivation, this is a, a year for a European championship. You know, as a kid, like, I didn't follow club soccer. So I'm like, for me, I'm like, oh, I was like, it'd be great to play for the United States, you know, play for your country. It'd be awesome. Or, like, if you're a kid, like, oh, I want to be in the Olympics, you know? So I'm like, if that's not motivation up enough, I'm like, what is going in your mind to put in this effort? Secondly, I've alluded to this, and I've said this to other people, but I'm like, it kind of proves my point now, and Nate is clearly in agreement, that, like, these players are fucking soft. And this kind of points back to an interview that was with Pochettino at least a few years ago. He's like... I don't know word for word what he said, but he's like, I don't want any like dissenting opinion. I don't want any rail rousers. I want people like just to follow the team way and whatever. So I'm like, so you read between the lines. That means he wants a bunch of fucking yes men that won't, that will just shut up and do their job. I'm like, and unfortunately, because nobody has been bought a lot during Pochettino's reign, and then we're finally playing a little bit of catch up, like, there's a lot of complacency within the squad. Not a lot of fresh new blood. Like, there's a lot of carryover, let's be honest. Um, and because of, like, there's, and, like, we talked about in the past few episodes where we think Hoiberg should be captain just because of his, of his leadership. But I'm like, other than that, I'm like, what other I mean, strong personalities are there in the squad right now? And, like, with Hugo, he's like, he's bringing all this stuff up after the game. But I'm like, I mean, granted, I do not know what's going on behind the scenes, nor anybody else on the podcast right now. But I'm like, aside from calling people out after the game, I'm like, and son, during halftime of that game last season, I'm like, what else are you doing? I'm like, is he really being a leader I mean, right it's now? It's hard for us to make. It, I, I think it, it remains to be seen. Tommy. I think that's a bit unfair. I think everything's fair game right now, though. Everything, like everything's coming out of the woodwork, though. So I'm like, if I have to call people. I mean, yeah, I'm playing armchair quarterback right now, but I'm like, if I have to call people out, so be it, though. Because, I mean, let's be fair. Let's be fair. I'm like, nothing's going right. Like, how you are saying before, Nate, this talent-wise and on paper, we should be competing for a – we should be at least in Champions League spot right now. We should be progressing in the FA Cup. We should have won against Dino Zagreb, but clearly it's not there. So, yeah, I, just, I mean, what's, I the, like, mis- what's you, the missing link? I like everything Hugo said, like, makes sense to me. So, I, I, but you're right. You're right. That, like, he's the captain, and this is happening under his watch. So, you, you're absolutely right about that. But, like, from what I've seen of him, like, that, that whole thing about Sun is, like, exactly what you want of a captain. So, if, like, that's the only time he's done it, I'd be shocked. But you're absolutely right. Whatever he's doing, it ain't working. So maybe, yeah. maybe maybe I am wrong to say it's too harsh. Maybe it is what needs to be said. 
And we've talked about Hugo's ability to captain from the keeper spot a lot. Now, I think a lot of that criticism went away after we saw what the Sun thing did. But, like, for me, I feel like Kane should be captain. He should have been captain two years ago. Um, but not Hoybear. But you want more Hoybears. And we definitely missed him on the night. Um, I think what happens now is, like, I mean, there's only, there's only so much we can more just talk about how awful the game is, how awful made us feel, and how mad we are at Joe's players, Enix, everything. For me, um, I just like look at this. I look at I look at what happened in, in, in this season, and and this game, this week, and that was like a culmination of all the horrible stuff that happened this season. Especially after we were in really good form, probably for the first time since November, and it just it just all like crumbled into ash in the span of four days. It was really incredibly disheartening. But I compare it. You got to compare it to like. To, to Pochettino in his first season. You go back and you remember that. Like, we had big problems at the beginning of that year. Like, we lost to Stoke. We lost at home. We lost to West Brom at home. We, um, we, got, we, lost, we lost Stoke away, too. We, got, we lost six points to Stoke that whole season. Um, we had some horrible results. Aston Villa, Sherwood's Aston Villa beat us when all the Chicago Spurs went over there. We had players and you remember play there was this huge... Yeah, there was a Newcastle. There was a Newcastle game where like it was tied. I think we had it. We went ahead, and then they tied it, and then they scored 15 seconds after the first whistle, when no one looked like they gave a shit. Like I think Dyer was tying his shoe. Adebayor wasn't caring, and they like scored right off the whistle, and it was a huge moment. And like after that, there was all these stories that came out. There was this huge division in the locker room, and what was Poch able to do? We lost. I think we shed 15 players. That year, Kapu went, Adebayor went, Aaron Lennon went, um, Kabul, Stambouli, Stambouli, all these guys that were dead weight went. We haven't done a clear out like that since. But here's here's the massive difference, though, is Poch at that time was always going to get as much time as he needs. I personally believe Jose is the guy. If we were to give him some resources and we were to change our spending habits, which, I mean, let's face it, it's never going to happen. But Jose is the guy. Jose is the guy that I would want to lead us into this new era. But the problem is, Jose will never get time because half the fans have hated him since the second he walked in the door. And it's that's the difference. Is so it's the same split locker room kind of situation. But I I don't get how like you used the words Nate earlier when you're talking about some of these players. Like who do you think you are? Who do you think you are if Jose Mourinho is telling you to do? something and you're gonna say ah, go fuck off like this guy's won more trophies than anyone i can think of like i i don't get where the disconnect is there but i, I mean it's when you're talking they about Hugo, ha- they saw what happened at united and when his players when they got it and they but got when you're team. talking about hugo like hugo can't get these guys to do it's like if Mourinho can't get these guys what does it matter what hugo's i think i think a lot of listening to jose yeah it's realizing the problem is is it is a it's a player issue. The problem is it's much easier to sack a manager than it is to sack your entire team. So, like, that's where that's why I, I think I was so depressed about Thursday was I think we don't fully understand the impacts that Thursday will have. Let's be honest. If we were able to rally, like, look, if we beat Zagreb, we would have gone through, we'd have Villarreal, and then we'd have to beat Arsenal, who we know we're better than, and then maybe we see United in the final, who we already proved we can beat away. Like it was within it was within reason that we could go win this European competition, make Champions League, 
get a European trophy, and things would all be on the right track. And I think after it all went up in flames on Thursday, I'm like, I don't think we'll fully understand the implications that happened on Thursday. I think it's going to set us back years. Uh, I don't know. I think... I think regard. Oh, yeah, Catherine, go ahead. I've been talking. Yeah, I, I was going to give her the next word on this. Yeah, sorry, Nate. Well, I had a few things, but as you guys have just been talking, I was like, I'm just going to sit this out a little bit. Um, but Tommy mentioned that this is year for the Euros, but I don't know if you were talking about like the Euro Euro Championships or like yeah. Europa League. World um, Championship. Twenty one okay. Euros. Uh, yeah. But even even well, I know it's the twenty twenty one because it was supposed to be twenty twenty, but um, pandemic, yay. Um, but not only that, it's I think it's a down year for everything, and so uh, people are focused on things like the Euros because we didn't have it last year, and with the league, everything is kind of down or more with a normal year because cities back up in pole position you have west ham in european qualification places leicester isn't surging um and then with focusing on europa league spurs had were in such a great position to continue on to the final because especially just focusing on the teams that tottenham was drawn we spurs could have gotten there um and so it's just a shame that tottenham isn't in europa league now because even though like what you guys have been saying, is it uh, the players? Is it the coach? Is it the uh, is it Enoch? Um, at least with the players that we currently have, like they could have uh, taken it further, um, regardless of that question of who who's to blame for all these and all these losses, because. Uh, even with having older, some older players, some players who've been there for seven years, I think Hugh has been there for eight now, um, that it's on all the players. It's on Jose. It's on Enoch. So I think it's kind of, I don't want to say pointless because <laughs> this is what you should have on a podcast and have that conversation. But I think it's a little, just a little pointless to talk about it because the question of who's to blame is, it's on everyone. No, it's and right. It's always more common. It's all, always been on Yeah, exa- exactly. And media so media masses and us will make it out to be. And, and we're emotional about it, which is kind of, which clouds everyone's judgment. And, and you know what? We, we get to be emotional because that's what makes sports amazing is how it affects us emotionally. That's why we all do this. That's why we're all talking about a team that's located thousands of miles away because it all it's connected to us on an emotional level. So that's not like unreasonable to me. Uh, but Catherine, you make a great point. Like this isn't some like simple. Oh, Jose's out. Like, and, and I've seen that argument made, but I just don't agree with it. Oh, get Jose out, and we'll all start performing back together. I don't think they will. I think that's two managers now where you've seen underperforming. That one, at this point, this is who some of these players are now in my mind. And if they want to change that mind, they they have to go somewhere else to do it. Well, and also, have, I, you would you could them. you could say that Pochettino overperformed while Mourinho currently is underperforming. So you yeah, need somebody who. You could definitely make that argument. I, but I also think, like, part of the staleness is his fault, too. I mean, as much as people blame Enoch for the transfer window, it was Pacha had final say. He was the one that said no to Tielemans, for example. We all know that now. Like, he was the one that did Allegedly, Madison. Like, look, like, and if you, if you could make the point, like, right off the bat, like, we're actually in a better position to reload next year just by the fact that Oliver Skip is performing as well as he is at Norwich because he got that loan. 
Whereas, like, we see this huge problem about Hoiberg and depth in that de- defensive midfield position and how much it killed us against Zagreb, not having, like, a stout defensive midfielder there to clean up. We know Skip's coming in next year. That is happening. Like, we know that. Sessegnon is performing in Germany pretty well. There's your answer to left-back depth if we don't think Davies is good enough. These are all happening because of loans that Poch would not do. Like, that, and that's the next thing about this. Like, the, for all, like, the Jose Mourinho hate is all coming from a lot of people that just idolize Pochettino. And to be honest, it's becoming like Star Wars and wrestling for me, where, like, fans are ruining my memory of this by being overly toxic with Pochettino. And it's all stemming to this Mourinho shit, and the players for the longest time got to pass on it. Well, also, Nate, real quick, I, I just, I, I wanted to just kind of sum up with, like, with Nate here. Like, the thing that we need to realize as fans is Jose in, Jose out, it really doesn't matter because until we change the way that, like, Levy and Enoch do business, that's what will always come first. Everyone thought for sure, like, oh, Jose's going to get sacked here if we don't beat Villa on Sunday. I'm like, no, he's not. Because Levy is not going to just waste $35 million for no reason. Like, we would have to pay Jose that money. And there's all these things, what we need to realize, and maybe that's, I know that it doesn't have to be a lump sum. There's other stuff that goes into it. But the reason, the thing I want everyone to kind of understand is until we change the way we do business, it really isn't going to matter who is managing these players. It could be Jose. It could be Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. Like, we have to change the way we are doing business, especially in the summer transfer window. But, like, it's it, it doesn't matter if Jose goes or stays. Like, what, are we going to put Ledley out there for a couple months and have a few laughs? Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's so much more internalized. I really want to respond to this, internalized. even though I know you want to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Like, I think we have to have that conversation. Like, yeah, we'd all love to see Ledley, of course, but we know. No, no I what, don't. The guy that has our center, our center backs that. coach that has us having the worst no, center backs. No, in the league. Uh, I want uh, him nowhere near that sideline. Uh, for a couple of games until they hire somebody. Yes, I would. I feel like fun. it would be it would be a, it would be fun and it would be yeah. caretaker. Yes, uh, but that'd be the uh, only way. I because yeah. if it if he, for argument's sake if he was permanent, it would it would just tarnish his reputation. I mean, look at Frank Lampard, for example. Yeah. Prime example. That backfired massively. Got the gig, like literally, legitimately, was named the head coach. It's a different gigs for what he did after Moyes went for Man United isn't any worse off. So I don't actually agree with that at all, Tommy. If he got, if they hired King, we'd have a different conversation. If he's just going to manage for the end of a dead rubber season, that's entirely different. Oh yeah, that's uh, different. I do want like to Alan Shearer because I think again, I don't think that's true at all about Aiden. I think they had a great window on paper for um, for. Uh, in 2019 summer window. I think we had a great window on paper in 2020 when we brought in right back then. We brought in a defensive midfielder. We brought in Gareth fucking Bale. Like, these were the kind of... We brought in a, a highly touted youngster and Alfie Devine. Those are solid signs. The year before Gareth that, Bale two midfielders. We need to revamp our midfield. We get two midfielders in. We get left-back depth. Um, those are good signs. These are, these are the signs we want to make. Oh, yeah, and a striker. Backup striker. So, like... These are the signings we wanted to make, right? These are the moves we should have made. Everyone was saying Three of those loans. When it doesn't happen on the field, maybe you can blame scouting, but like we filled the right positions. We spent money. 
we got good Premier League play. We got Premier League proven players in. And it still didn't change anything. What was our net spend? I think it's necessarily. It doesn't matter what the net mil. spend is. We spent like 19 mil. Chelsea's out there spending $250 million. Stop pretending that's point. That's a flip switch on an owner and it's different. Stop pretending that. Stop pretending that we can just, oh, it's an oil baron and we flip the switch and we're fine. No, it's not that. It's a thousand different things. And complaining about an owner that won't go until he oh, wants Oh, I'm to. not it's saying Levy's the only problem. It's I'm not saying he's the only problem. I'm saying this was, my, wait, this was my whole point. My whole point was we can't, we can't talk about whether Jose in, Jose out is the problem because nothing that we, no decision that we make will ever be about anything other than business from Levy. That's what it's going to be. How we never sell guys at the like right time. We don't to, sell. It's, I feel like, it's I think all it's about how do we do we hang on to Delhi for way too long. We could have sold Delhi. We could have made something like yeah. Levy has his moments where he gets us eleven mil for Dembele in a window where it could have been nothing. Like he has his moments, but we it will always be about the bottom line for our business, not what's best for the club in terms of supporters. What we club want is surviving. So, yeah, it is going to be. How can you say that about a team that was just in the Champions League final? How can surviving now be like our new goal? Being surviving. We had to take out. Club had to take out a loan, though. A pandemic happened after we took out a giant loan on a stadium that we can't feel because people can't go, which was supposed to be our meal ticket to the next level. So, assuming that all of this plays into play, have a little context on the situation because the strategy we took. To get to the next level, which you saw, right? actually, let's talk about. It. You saw when we dropped sixty million and fifty million on two midfielders in the same window, and now we. But now you can't, you can't get that plus, that surplus of buying that stadium and upgrading the training ground, and getting to that next economic hierarchy, moving up on that economic hierarchy that we wanted, that we needed to do without getting some fucking Putin bitch like Roman in or a fucking oil baron from a country that kills gay people, without that, that we could get to the next level. People can be sold. Why don't we ever sell players? That's the, that's the second thing. That's there. my point. Wait, 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 wait. They're not their... Let's go back. No, let, let's go back. Let's go back to 2016, right? Let's go back when Eric Dyer was getting shipped to Man United for $40 million. Why don't let's we take go, it? Who wanted that to happen? Nobody wanted that to happen. People were screaming about him. I didn't know shit about him. I'm like, I'll take 40 million. Harry Winks for 40 million. People didn't, oh, he's going to be a young midfielder that'll be in our midfield for years to come. Dally Alley. No, let's not sell him. It's Jose's fault. So, no, this well, is. I offered to drive thing. Winks to Heathrow myself. To Deadwood, but at the same time, like, at the same time, all these decisions, people were putting on the 2020 vision and not remembering what it was like in the moment. And people didn't want these things to happen. Now they do. Now that we see that it didn't work, now all of a sudden it's, oh, we should have done this, this, and this, when at the time nobody wanted those things to happen. Well, Nobody I, did. I would love to watch this conversation go on for like another half hour, but 
I think for our listeners' sake, we probably should progress to the the next part of the conversation. That's to go to. It really is magic when Lucas and me get on the same. (laughs) Anthony, we got our fisticuffs round two. Fisticuffs round two has to be the podcast title. I was actually going to text you that. No, it's uh, no, it's passionate conversation. I could sit here and watch it all day, but at the same time, uh, we 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 have the rest of the podcast to get through. So let's go to. MVP, LVP, and, and this is going to be a tough MVP conversation. <laughs> we're going to start with Catherine first. Tough, for, for, uh, tough MVP? For, this do you is have the toughest any... MVP and LVP I've ever had to come up with. Do you, do you, you pick on either? Anybody for MVP, Catherine? I would say, and I do, um, similar to the last time I was on, I waffle a little bit between <laughs> my choices, but I would say, and this is going to sound weird, but either Larice or Lo Celso. Um, Larice mainly just because he didn't get any help, uh, but then also with his his candor uh, during the post match interview, and then Los Celso, he just livened up the game a little bit to at least look like we had eleven players on the pitch that wanted to be there. He was the one that kind of lifted people. I agree, Captain. Los Celso was my pick too. Yeah, I feel like he played us in a couple times late, and I mean we didn't even talk about. That all this could have been a moot point if that if their keeper doesn't make an amazing save off the line on Kane, who thought he had an open net at like ninety plus two. So like that was wild to begin with as well. Um, yeah, Lacelso for me was fine. Like when he came on, it's like oh shit, we have a midfielder that can actually do things. Uh, he can pass the ball. He can hold on to the ball. He can run with the ball. What unfound things! Can't believe that there are players like this that we have that don't start. So that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was, I mean, Kane was all right, but he didn't miss chances that you expect him to make that would have put the game out of reach. So, but he, he gave it, he gave a fuck. Lucas gave a fuck, but they didn't play that well. But the Celso for me, was also an MVP. Okay. Uh, Tommy. Yeah, I'm going to agree with the Celso. I know he had, he didn't start play the full game, but how Catherine was saying, like, it actually looked like team actually looked alive when they're playing. So I, I I don't like to give the game to a sub or MVP to a sub, but I'm like, this was a pile of hot garbage. So, and he was the one that actually made, like how I just said, made the team look like there was, a, or how Catherine said there was 11 players on the field. So got to give it to him. Okay. Uh, Lucas. Uh, mine. I'll keep it sweet. Mine was uh, Gio as well. Took me a while to come up with it, but yeah, I said Gio. Yeah, I I don't have a better answer. Is what I I tried to come up with anybody in my head who I appreciated, and and Nate, you're right. Like Harry Lucas, they tried. Um, even I I didn't even think well Mella, who usually tries even if he's shitty, um, looked all that in this match either. I fully no, support. He was shit. I mean, he was so, shit. He's dog shit, I thought. He got that yeah. early yellow to put him off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is it for me as well. Uh, let's start uh, with Tommy for um, uh, for LVP. Okay. Um, hate all you want or agree all you want. I'm giving it to Eric Dyer. Uh, like I said before, there's the lack of effort. I've been, like, before I was like, I was done with Davidson Sanchez, but now I'm like, he can kind of stay if there's somebody to guide him with his center back pairing. Eric Dyer, I'm like, he just looks so clueless now. 
And, like, the second goal, it just summed up the lack of effort for me, in my opinion, of course. Um, hold on, i got to pull up my notes. So, in the second goal, Orsic, where he scored. So, there was a cross. Eric Dyer, he just, like, he barely sticks his leg out. I'm like, if you're trying to stop a cross, you got to go in for that. Because you know in your head, that second goal, if you don't score within the next few minutes, it's going to extra time. He didn't do it. I'm like, and, yeah, it was just. Um, I mean, slide I, across, I said it before. Slide across like in Dombele or uh, Tanganga yesterday. Coming in hot. Exactly. Yeah. That's the effort like, we need from Dyer. Yeah. So how how Nate said earlier about Dyer, I'm like, I've been done with Dyer for at least this past month. But this, I, I, he could come back from but this is more or less the, fire, the nail in the coffin for me. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to Catherine next. Uh, I'd say... Besides most of the team that I didn't mention, besides Larice and, and LaCelso, but uh, if I'm pinpointing at least one player, I would say either Dyer or Sissoko. I would say Sissoko. Um, I feel like the third goal really was the culmination of that, where their guy literally dribbled through our entire day to score. And Sissoko was the main culprit. And it's like, you guys remember in, in All or Nothing during the Wolves game where, like, Jose was pointing out, like, about fouling people in transition and how important it was. And I feel like there was a similar goal when they took the lead in that game where Raul or, or it's like whoever it was, Neto or somebody, dribbled through their team, gave it minutes, and he scored. And we had a chance to foul the student on the break about four or five different times, and we just didn't. And it was the same thing a year later in a crucial game and a goal that would have put that, that, that puts them up and no one stopped it no one took the yellow no one took the foul no one put a foot in they just let him they stuck a leg out let him roll past all of them and Sissoko was the main guy there when that happened <coughs> and Domble to an extent as well um, and, and I've got beef with him a lot he actually but he actually came back and performed really well against Philip but I feel like for a 60 million player footballer that is known for possession and how he kind of shields the ball and brings things forward and can pick a pass out, he goes missing way too much. Yeah. Way too I much. I agree. Uh, and Lucas? If you, and if oh, you sorry. get a couple fouls on him, it's he, you can you can get him out of the game within 15 minutes. I feel like you know if Ndombele is going to be good or not 15 minutes into the game every time. And if, if, he, if, he, if he's not looking for the ball, then he might as well not even be in the field. Um, but he came back and had a good response in the very game. But Sissoko looked lost. I think there was a, there was just like as someone who's who's kind of had his back for years, and I'm done with him. Yeah. Well, let's go to Lucas LVP. Uh, yeah, mine was Delhi. Um, I thought again, it just for me, it was more about the fact that this was an opportunity for him to prove why he should be continued. Like, what do we call it? Uh, what was it? Uh, like shag or like whatever like the new acronym we have are like having deli out there we all uh, it's this was a this was a moment for him to kind of come up and say look i deserve to be part of this attacking front and i just i didn't look like he gave a rat and that just aggravated the freaking life out of me mm-hmm. yeah actually you, in the you... game where all we needed was one goal one yeah. goal in any point and it was over and to just come out and look that lackluster, like, yeah, it just drove me insane. It was Delhi. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, you stole the words out of my mouth. I, I was going to say Delhi. And it mostly does, it's just the, the most disappointing. This, like, he is, he's worked his way back into the, the squad where he's getting selected way more often than he was earlier in the season. Um, and this is an important Euro, uh, Europa League match that you have the chance to perform in and, and show that you belong in that squad. With Sun Hurt, this is your opportunity. And you, you fucking go out there and, and just shit the bed and uh, and then act like you don't care about it. And that, that for me, um, despite how bad Dyer was and, like, yeah, you can point to performances that were worse. But I was just so angry with him. He's my least valuable player because, like, he, he, he ruined everything that I cared about the man, which I know will come back eventually. But I, I just don't like seeing him like this where he just doesn't care about the squad. It's like he, do, he, he, he doesn't love Spurs anymore, and that's, that, that's really hard to take. So, yeah, for me, LVP, Deli Ali. Um, well, we went really long talking about this first <laughs> league match. So, actually, we're going to go to half before we talk about the Aston Villa match. Um, and then we ha- we'll have a quick preview of Newcastle at the end of the episode. Uh, um, but we do have a halftime segment before we do that. Uh, so, let's go to Tommy's Week in Spurs history. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, so, as you well know, I'm Tommy, and this is your Week in Spurs history. So, Thankfully for other people listening, these are actually more or better times, or at least more fun times. Um, on March 21st of 2005, <clears throat> former Spurs defender Dean Richards retired. He retired due to medical advice, concluding that if he continued to play, he could suffer a brain hemorrhage. On March 21st of 2009, Spurs defeated Chelsea 1-0, and they dealt a blow to Chelsea's challenge for the Premier League. The lone goal was scored by Luka Modric. On March 24th of 2010, Spurs defeated Fulham 3-1 in the sixth round replay of the FA Cup. Goals were scored by David Bentley, Roman Pavlichenko, and Eider Goodjohnson to punch their place in the semifinal. Lastly, on May 20, or March 27th, 2012, was the replay of the FA Cup quarterfinals versus Bolton Wanderers. Spurs won 3-0. The reason for the replay was due to Bone Wanderer's midfielder, Fabrice Mwamba, suffering cardiac arrest on the pitch 10 days earlier. He later recovered. Goals um, from the 3-0 win were scored by Ryan Nelson, Gareth Bale, and Louis Saha. I'm Tommy, and this is your Week in Spurs History. Well, thanks, Tommy. It's nice to have uh, Week in Spurs History back uh... It's actually uh, nice to think about the po- positive times uh, again in a, a week like this, so I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, but um, uh, just a bit of business before we go into the second half. Uh, we do have international break uh, coming up uh, this up- upcoming week. Hooray! So we, we are going to take it off this time. Uh, we don't have any advertising to worry about. We're, we're just going to take a a well-deserved break. So we'll be back in two weeks after this episode, uh, but we appreciate everybody coming to listen, but uh, another bit of business news and thanks to Tommy for his efforts on this. Uh, we are now available on Spotify and we are available on Stitcher as well. Uh, so that's, uh, that's good. We, you can find us on those formats. It's, it's actually saved my phone some space cause I cut down on my podcast addicts. I was listening to us on. So, uh, so for, for me, I can just listen to it on Spotify now. So, 
definitely thanks for being patient with us about getting onto those other formats we should have done a long time ago but i appreciate tommy's efforts to get us there so so thanks for getting us across the line tommy you are welcome um so uh let's let's move the conversation along into the aston villa match so we we had aston villa away we had this horrible defeat we dropped out we dropped out of the the europa league our probably our best chance at uh champions league for next year um and we're going into a league match where I think most of us are saying, a lot of us were saying, a lot of Spurs fans were saying that if Jose doesn't win this match, he very well could be sacked. Uh, now, whether that's the case or not, I know, Lucas, you disagreed with that. But a lot of people were saying that and anticipating that the continued loss in this way after the Arsenal performance that he's lost his squad. So he... They they need to have a performance here, and he came out with a, a rotated squad uh, to a certain extent. You can tell who he favored. He said he was going. There's going to be some changes. A, a lot of those were in the the bench players. Uh, some of them were in the the, the starting eleven. Uh, but he certainly picked people that he thought were willing to play for the badge. I think. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with Lucas on this conversation. Yeah. Um... So, like what you just said, when a lot of people were thinking Jose might be out, my my whole thing with that is Levy might already think Jose's out. It was never going to happen because of the Villa game, was my whole point. Like, Levy has contingency plans on contingency plans. Like, when Poch drew 1-1 to Sheffield, it wasn't like, oh, my God, Jose's just in the next week. Like, that had been in the works. So, he might have a plan that we don't even know about yet. He might be in contact with like six different managers. Like Thursday might be the reason Jose's out. We don't know. But I think Jose sent a good enough message with the rotation saying, unfortunately, I think it was one game too late, but it's a lot of the rotation that we were hoping for. Like if it can't be Serge on the right, why not be Tanganga? It cannot be worse than what we saw from Doherty on Sunday against Arsenal. So I, I was excited to see Tanganga out there. And we saw Dyer be the absolute fucking worst on countless occasions this year. And yet we've seen Rodan step in and have Rodan has like good opportunities here and there. He puts a good shift in. So I don't know. I, I think we were, we were waiting for, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, there's some weird... Oh, all right, yeah. There's a weird noise in the background. Like, it sounds like a whale or a ghost. Oh, jeez. I think it's some car. Okay, yeah. No, Somebody you're trying to, like, start up a motorcycle. Anyway, yeah, it's... So, like, Rodan and Tanganga, we were all excited to see it. So, and, and I think they both played great. And it just kills me that I'm like, God, I wish we had done that on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Nate, yeah. I think you were next. Yeah, no, I mean... I agree. Like I want to, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, as negative as I sound in the first half of the podcast, I'm gonna do the exact opposite here. Um, second of all, uh, I, I think you're spot on, Lucas, with plans, and I want to go into a little bit bigger, more because we talked about in the first half about this release clause, and maybe there's no and the lack of and what have you. There was Duncan Castles, who's a journalist in the UK who gets a lot of mixed reaction. But one thing he is known for is having an ear to all, any and all Mourinho news. He's always had that. He says for this summer there is a release clause and that we wouldn't pay the full contract out if Jose went this summer. 
So I wonder if that's one of the plans that Levy, Levy has that we're talking about. And maybe he had, there's a break clause after two years if things aren't going well. But, but, if we get a reaction like we got from the Villa game, we might not even need that release clause. Because that, what we saw yesterday, but was was a difficult lineup because we were missing a couple people because they were ill. Sun is still injured. And we came out there and probably had one of our more dominant performances aside from in front of goal. Because I feel like we controlled the tempo of that match throughout. There was a lot of intensity that we've not seen all season. We were, we were winning balls in the midfield. And Domele was winning balls, which you don't always see. Hoybeer was back to his best self. Um, Lucas back in that 10 role was fantastic. And as you said, Lucas, the back line was sensational. Now, with all this being said, you have to bring the caveat that this is Astonville without Jack Grealish. And we know from experience that we've been on the brunt of accusations of being a one-man team with Harry Kane. Aston Villa is truly a one-man team. Without Grealish, they are nobodies. But well, still saying that, that was about as great of an import, of performance Nate, as from an effort standpoint that I could have asked for. Anthony, I'll go to you in a sec. Nate, you should come to uh, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. They play Spurs games sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I literally said it yesterday. I was like, I said yesterday, I'm like, if there's ever a team that looks worse than like us without Kane, it's them without Grealish. Exactly. But, yeah, Anthony. Anthony, go ahead. Sorry. I cut yeah. You off. No. What I was gonna say is you, Nate. You had brought up the defense, um, and I wanted to go to a question that we had from from Shubes uh, on the defense, and it kind of goes into what we're we've been starting to talk about already. So I think about <laughs> to go to it, and we'll go to Catherine first to answer. But Tommy, can you read the question for us from Shubes? Uh, yes. Uh, our good friend Shubes from London. Thoughts, what is our 15th center back pairing to start the league this season? For those who didn't know or paid attention, uh, it was Sanchez and Joe Roden. Um, also, if you have thoughts on 16-year-olds being on the subs bench. So, if, uh, what was it, Dane Scarlett? I can't, I forget who else was on Divine. the bench. Divine. Alfie yeah. Divine. So, yeah. Um, and then also, oh. And also, to, or he replied to his own tweet, uh, just to be clear, I, he has no issues with their ages. It is more uh, Jose trying to send a message. Um, A.K.A. Pochettino, uh, Pochettino with the Kabul Cabal. Uh, so we'll go to Catherine first, but like uh, you get the gist of what he's asking, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to mention that even when after Lucas and Nathan were speaking, but... I do want to highlight the defensive shifts because I thought they were very tidy and very, they did their job. And you know that they, they did their job because even though they're not my MVPs, spoiler alert, they're not. um, But I did want to focus on Rodon and Sanchez because Sanchez, I thought he had a great game. And, And speaking of him though, it, just it grates me be it's it's like the in clue when mrs white says like flames out of the side of my head um (laughs) moment (laughs) but but that's what happens to me when defenders can't like do their job and defend because he went up against one of the aston villa players i can't remember who it was but they're both pushing off each other and aston villa fell down 
And if Sanchez had fallen down, it would have probably been a free kick to us, but it was a free kick to Aston Villa. And so I thought he played his game well because he was actually defending and doing his job, whereas apparently you can't do that much anymore. Uh, but then even with, with Rodon, his center-back defensive pairing, I thought Rodon played extremely well, especially for him not having as much experience within the Premier League this year because he hasn't been called upon. And I, I, what was it, Liverpool, the last game that he played? Mm-hmm. And even though he had like maybe a few errors... I thought that he redeemed himself in this match. And so to go back to Shoops' question, I think that's okay, even though I know uh, I'm okay with having a 15th center-back pairing because uh, when I was on the podcast maybe a month or so ago, uh, I had actually highlighted that. And I I still think that there should be more of a of a set either back two or back four or back three, however we're going to play uh, formation-wise. But uh, I do think that for the, for the match at hand, especially against Aston Villa, like what you guys said without Jack Grealish, I, th- I think that it went weather rather well. Yeah, well, and, and just to add to your point before we go to Lucas, uh, I was just happy to see that Rodon was playing on the left. So, like he's a left-footed player and we thought that he was going to be there to maybe try to be that Vertonghen that we maybe not that good but somebody that could do that role for us uh, the, the left-footed player that could t- take that left side we've only seen him on the right since uh um since he came up and that may have been like a man marking that they that Jose had set up but uh but it was nice to see him actually get to be the the left side of this pairing uh Lucas yeah um <clears throat> it, it's one of the I am still shockingly i've changed my mind i am jose in but i think the one thing is that it's it's that road on tanganga type stuff where if jose has proven he trusts them like why do we continue to see dyer and sanchez and Rodon's first game wasn't liverpool it was chelsea at home in the fall that nil nil no the, the one that, in, I'm, I'm not his first match i was thinking the last the last time he played oh yeah but like his first match he came in there, played great. And yeah. Jose has proven that that's his thing. Like, Tanganga's was Liverpool, where he just threw him out there at home. It was like, hey, mm-hmm. you're like 15. Get out there. And Tanganga had a, a similar... And he, had a, he gave away a goal, but he was great. And so what my big thing always is, is like, how have we not seen some of that in more, in bigger games? But I would like to say this about Sanchez is... I think Sanchez played well enough yesterday, but he made, and and again, some of those calls, some of those calls were not, a different referee might've made different calls, but there was no reason for you to make that challenge. If Serge Aria had done it, people would have lost the fucking plot. It's like, like, uh, Sanchez gave away like, I think three separate free kicks in our, in the final third, when there was no actual attack needed. He could have just let the guy have the ball, given him some space, and it would have got cleared out. And Sanchez just made a move, got aggressive, and forced a free kick. And it's like, now we're now defending a set piece in our own box, which we all know we suck at. And how else was Villa going to score? And that's that was what Sanchez did. So it was we were fortunate that it didn't actually cost us, but he almost cost us by setting up three chip-ins into the box 
when it didn't even need to be a foul. He could have just let the guy have the ball, close him out, which he's good at. He's a great athlete. But Sanchez was sloppy again yesterday, in my opinion. Okay, let's go to Nate. Um, so I'm actually going to side more with Catherine on this than Lucas because um, I think a lot of those calls were whack as hell. Like, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted out during the game like that scene from Arrested Development where um, uh, George Bluth's in prison and he's going, no touching, because that's what it was like for, uh, <laughs> for Sanchez playing defense. Like, the moment he touched the dude, he went down, and it was soft as puppy shit. And I just, no, it wasn't for me. Um, Did but, you say soft as puppy shit? Yeah. So, that is a weird, uh, okay, that's pretty soft. Random. I got the I got the reference. I, yeah. and I don't have do- I'm not a dog guy, but Probably I got the- get a dog, or don't, and just be around. Yeah, uh, as uh, your roommate, do not get a dog. <laughs> uh, I had a childhood trauma, so probably not. <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry. For That's you. an episode in uh, itself. Go on, Nate. But uh, but no, I was gonna say like, I I mean, I thought Sanchez had a great game. There was one moment where he let a guy in behind him, and it's a, it's a Sanchez thing that happens where guys can kind of ghost in behind him. It's something he needs to work on his game. But you know what? Perfect center backs are hard to come by. We've been kind of we've been kind of privileged with Toby and Jan for years and years and years. So like I, I think we gotta kind of adjust our expectations. Joe Roden was fantastic. Everything he did came out smooth as silk. Like it, it looked it looked nice. He he looked confident, which as Catherine said, after being frozen out for so long, not even included in Europa, which there's some criticism we can all have about Jose Mourinho for that. Why? Like, I, there's no more to be said on that, though. We've moved on. Okay. Uh, we'll let Catherine respond next. But, well, yeah. I, I was going to say that, to Lucas's point, I'm not, like, Sanchez's number one fan or anything. And I think that, that he does make silly mistakes that for a Colombian international, you would think that he wouldn't make those mistakes. Um, but I do think that he, he played well enough yesterday, even with his mistakes. That's all I kind of, Oh, and also to Shubes, uh, second part of the question in that, what is he, what, what do we think, what do we think about having the 16 year olds on the bench? I think it's great. Why not give them even the, you know, they're not, they're not going to play. But even if they're not going to play, that's great experience to have just by sitting on the bench with people who have been playing for pretty much their whole life. The 16-year-old's Gareth whole Bale. lives. Sit on the bench with Gareth Bale, right? Yeah, and, and you're 16 years old. These players have been playing for your whole life. And so you're going to have that experience even just with game day preparation and walking into the stadium, all that type of stuff that you wouldn't normally get with – playing under 23s or, or under 21s or so on and so forth. Right, Tommy's next. Uh, then we'll oh, Lucas, you had, Lucas actually had his hand up, so I'll go after him. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it real direct, Tommy. Uh, yes, totally agree with Catherine on Shubes' second point. All in favor of those kids getting out there. Uh, I was at the 5-0 Burnley, which was uh, Troy Parrott's first game. Like That is a big deal. And we all watched Marine, where was it Alfie Devine? Or no, it was actually Jack Clark that was on. Jack Clark and Bale were getting subbed on at the same time. And like they just looked at each other, and you're watching Gareth Bale get subbed on at like some community pitch with Jack Clark. Um, so I'm all in favor of that. But 
to the Sanchez thing, it's what Nate said. Like, yeah, he tends to get lost and somebody can drift behind him. That would have been a big deal because on that play, too, they whipped it over the middle. And if that's any team that's not Villa, that's a massive problem. And had we not been up 2-0 because of a pretty cheeky penalty, if we don't get that Harry Kane penalty, let's all admit that that last 30 minutes, we would have bricked it. That would have been horrific. We would have been bricking it for the last 30 minutes. We weren't creating. Ndombele, as much as we love to say he's great. Totally disagree. Ndombele, who is the king of I can do 90% of a cool play, I can dribble through three guys and then miss a pass. And Dombele is giving the ball away in our own half more than anyone pass. other than Serge. But we all we just jerk off to Ndombele because he can do cool stuff. But he we, we don't stand for this Ndombele slander on yeah, here. I will. We, we, I will take Ndombele to the cross. We're going to have this Ndombele conversation, but we're going to go oh, to let's, let's, then, let's let Tommy have his say, and then let's get into the Ndombele one. Tommy and then uh, Nate, yeah. Okay. So, Shubes, I'll answer your question, um, even though we've kind of been going on for it for, feels like, 10 minutes. But uh, but I want to say Alistair Gold's tweet yesterday before the match. He said, uh, hearing that Jose Mourinho's Spurs starting 11 changes and bench today are going to make a real statement, and it's likely to ruffle a few feathers. Um, that's not really a bad thing after this week. Needs to win the game, though, to have the desired effect, which one would assume it did. Um, so, Shubes, to answer your question, like, I know jo- Joe Roden's last start or last time played against uh, Liverpool was not great, but I've, I've seen enough where I felt like he was promising, where I'm like, okay, we got to play him a little more, whether it be Europa League, League Cup, FA Cup, etc. And after the FA Cup, I'm like, we're kind of already flirting with, I'm like, the season's kind of done. With we're not we might not get fifth pl- or fourth place, we might not or we're not going to or we're out of FA Cup, League Cup, uh, Manchester United or Manchester City's heating up. Um, Europa League, I'm like, there's a lot of variables there, so we had to be lucky, and now it didn't turn out so well. So when I saw that tweet, I'm like, okay, we need Tidganga and Joe Roden play. Thankfully, they did. They both played very well. Granted, neither of them were my MVP, but we'll worry about that later. But I'm like, I'm really just hoping right now that Jose kind of continues this momentum with these players. Because let's be fair, we already knew this was going to happen, or this was happening, but this season's in a state of transition. Um, Whether it be because of the pandemic or just because of the way we've been playing and we have a lot of older players, some players not producing as we would like them to, et cetera. So get them a head start to prepare for next season. Um, so I'm hoping, whether against Newcastle or whoever, Joe Roden or Tanganga does play. Um, because, I mean, let's, I mean, I think Tanganga probably still has a future as center back as, as, as it's his most natural position. But if Serge Aurier is out against Newcastle, I'd rather have Tanganga in there against rather than Matt Dory personally. Like Matt Doherty, he's just tailed off so hey, bad. Hey, can I can I offer a quick question? Just really quick. It's, it's not gonna but do you think at this point Jose is going to gear us up for the League Cup final? Or do you think like do you think he's gonna do trying to achieve top four? Or do you think because if Serge can be healthy for the League Cup final or rush him back, that kind of question, 
Do you think Jose will have us trying to get a cup? The most important thing to Jose might be getting a trophy, which is, again, something the Spurs manager hasn't done since 08. So I think well, the argument though might be for fourth place because this I don't think there's no like, hey, there's there's no shot in money. fourth place. I'm for Chelsea hasn't yeah, not, lost not yet. Chelsea hasn't dropped points since having or they haven't lost they the game since having like a few weeks ago. So they dropped no, points, I, but they I, have I, they I, haven't I, lost. I said they haven't lost. They haven't lost okay. since Tucho. Like Chelsea isn't going to crash say, out. I mean, for argument's sake, though, we could in theory run the table, and if Chelsea gets you know. I don't know, a handful of ties, we can squeak in. But so, like I said, for argument's sake, if, if we could get Champions League, this could entice Enoch or Joe, Jose can be like, hey, Enoch, Joe Lewis, etc. need you to open the checkbook a little. If you want to get a trophy, we can get more players. We can compete on all four fronts, build some depth, etc. Let's do that. Well, so, yeah. so, so I'm going to go to Nate next, but I was going to ask the question. Nate, are we going to talk about the Vinicius goal, or are we going to talk about uh, Ndombele's book? Are we going to talk about what? I don't, we, are, we can talk about whatever you want, Anthony. Or, or are we going to talk about you know, like, uh, real talking. quick, Anthony? Uh, real quick, Anthony, I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in and give it to Anthony. I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in and give it to Nate. Somebody going to step in. Vinicius goal because the Vinicius goal was Lucas Moore being a badass. That's all that was. Oh. Oh yeah, no. Lucas Moore uh, was Lucas Moore was an let's animal. Break yesterday. down what's been said in the last five minutes that I've not been able. Lucas Moore is a badass. That happened. Lucas Moore did it. But now Nate, that's why we don't need to talk about the Vinicius tapping. Except that I wish he would have smashed it like Marine Job back in the frame. <laughs> it's the only well, it's the only critique of the Vinicius goal. But, he but Nate, blast it through the net. But Nate has the floor, so let's get yeah, Nate, oh, go on. So you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. No, I think, I, well, I I do want to because it's been so long since I last talked about it. I didn't answer Shu's question. I want to say yes. Sixteen-year-olds on the bench is awesome, especially when they're Jaden Scarlett and Alfie Devine, and they both look very, very talented. So I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the fifteen center back pairing because it had a clean sheet. Um, so let's get that out of the way. Let's go and talk about kind of what's been said since then. Um, about this game. Um, people, you talked about Sanchez. You talked about kind of being having a nervy game if we didn't get that game penalty. I actually disagree. I think we were in the most control I can remember in a second half in that game. Um, aside from New, that one like, chance. Like Newcastle at home? That, with, that Tenganga, with that Tenganga chance, aside from that, they really didn't do anything in the second half. That was the only shot they had, and that was when we were up. Neither did Newcastle. Um, That's we the thing nothing. is you got to end them. We, we were up to nothing. We got the penalty. So all I'm saying, if we didn't get the penalty, so-and-so and so-and-so, but we did get the penalty. And then at, even after we did get the penalty, we were on the front foot. Um, I actually thought Bergvai came in and was tremendous, even though he didn't score again. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but you mentioned Lucas, Lucas. And <laughs> I know Fair we'll all gross. probably take him as our MVP, so we'll get to talk about him again. But... Uh, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, where, where has he been all number ten? So like, number ten. Sudden, like all our criticisms of Lucas is like, oh, we love his energy, but he can never pick a pass. He can never connect. All of a sudden, he's doing everything we wanted him to do. Him and Kane, for the first time in their four years playing with each other, have a connection. And I think what's happened is this: this could be on Mourinho, and it's fantastic. It's something Poch never did. When Poch would play Kane and Lucas together, he'd put Lucas. 
he'd put he'd put Kane he put Lucas in front and Kane behind him. What you're seeing a little bit different now is that sometimes Lucas now plays deeper. And there were set, there were three or four times in that match that I can remember where Kane got the ball and would dish it off to Lucas around the midway line and he'd be able to run at people. And it's fantastic because when you have a team with Harry Kane and Venetius dealing with center backs or when Sun's healthy and you've got Harry Kane and Youngman's son, defenders are going to be focused on Kane and Sun constantly. And what that does is it leaves all the space in the middle for Lucas to run at people. And that's what Lucas does best. And you didn't get to see a lot of that in the North London Derby because once Sun got injured, we had to move Lucas out to the left. And he's back to his weird position where he's not as good. Yeah. But if you remember, when Lamella got sent off, Lucas came back into the middle at the end of that game, and that's when we got back. One of us a couple of set pieces. Not an equalizer. So, yeah. like, this whole thing about him is that he's always been in number 10. He's always been it. And for some reason, Potts tried to put him on the wing. And he even came out and said, this is not my position. And lo and behold, he was still kind of forced to push there because he had these problems connecting passes. But all of a sudden now, those are coming off. And it was a great find, as you said, Lucas, for the Vinicius goal. It was intensity. Now, I will say, Vinicius did a great job initially of pushing their center backs and Emilio Mar- Martinez to make that, 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 uh, that uh, clearance that went right to Lucas. So that was fantastic work. And him bothering uh, Kansa. Him and Kansa were just at it with each other all day long. And that was great because he pissed them off and he got in his head. But I have to say, like, Lucas is just tremendous. And for us all to think about, like, we have to ask ourselves a question now. I couldn't imagine asking this last year. Where would we be without Lucas Moore right now? Yeah. It's, I, ask my, I ask myself he every morning. I ask myself that like, every morning. Where would I be without Lucas Moore? Harry Kane, who's but, just God's best Nate, player in the world you, by a mile. You're, Nate, He's you're, been our Nate, your point. Performer. Nate, your point on Vinicius is I kind of want to put a question out to the team here. I think what you just said was a bang on point that Vinicius consistently has that striker thing, that finisher thing where he puts himself in the right position to finish goals all the time. And the anti you think, yeah, <laughs> literally, very, very true. And it's like, do you think that's worth it? it I, I don't know what the buyout clause is. I think it's 35 or something. Do you it's think it's worth, worth it to try and clause. keep him? Do you think it's, it's worth it to try not. and keep him? Because, look, this is this year's an anomaly, and I'm going to touch wood right now, but we've had Harry Kane go down for, what, two weeks? Yeah. Next year, after a Euros, Harry Kane's going to bris- miss half the season if he stays <laughs> first. Like, that's just a fact. Let, like, let's go to Tommy. So uh, uh, would to would you say that's the question I want to ask? Is is it worth keeping Vinicius? Because he looks to get proper striker. Well, speaking of Vinicius, I, I did see a news blurb this past week that Spurs would like to keep him. Vinicius would like to stay. Unfortunately, not at that thirty-five million price tag. Um, allegedly, I used to call in quotes uh, that uh, what was it called that. Spurs kind of want to bring it down to $17 million, which I think is very – I'm not saying it's doable per se, but, I mean, I would I would gladly jump on that. So, is he that's low in the just something to think about. I'd pay 20 for him, but yeah. I wouldn't pay 30 oh, I would too. too much. Like, 
I mean, we, I mean, he's done great things, and he's. I think he scored like ten goals in nine starts, which is tremendous. But a lot of that you have to say was against Mondesis. But you want to see him now, right? You want to see him in these games to say. And what's really cool is you. We we can all think about this now together, and hopefully, if he continues to get time, we'll say, okay, let's see him do it against Premier League sides week in week out. He got a goal. He got a goal against Aston Villa. Or decent defensively, with or without Jack Grealish. Like their attack is, we can. Was like garbage, but they've and always been we'll solid defensively. Yeah, we have to so, play. Yeah. We have it's to play Villa again. For me. Right, Jordan's we'll have to see Villa me. again, nice. and we'll see them with Grealish. But here's the thing, nice too, regardless, is... Lucas. Let me finish a point, please. All right, go on, Talk go on. Go. Um, <laughs> what's really interesting about this, Vinicius or not, what could be great about this formation that came out and that we've seen, what could be great about Kane's changing and his how he plays the game in general is this is showing the entire world and the entire transfer market. You can be a striker and you can play with Harry Kane in the same team, which is a whole other thing. Because the whole the whole um, kind of caveat with playing with Kane is that if you're going to be a striker and you're going to come to Tottenham, you're sitting behind Kane no matter what. But with Kane coming into this weird attacking midfielder role 10 thing that he's done, now that opens up for someone to be ahead of him, a big striker to be ahead of him. And that kind of changes everything. Because now, a striker come in and say, like, if, if we continue with this Vinicius kind of formation and he excels, maybe we pay for him, maybe we don't. But what it's also saying is, you can be a striker, come to Tottenham, and start in the Premier League with Harry Kane, not be his kind of backup. And that changes a lot. Yeah, it's, it makes him a marketable player. And, and I, I think there's an argument to be made that we need to be able to play with multiple strikers in our squad like, and have faith that those guys can actually score. So, like, I, like I'm maybe not there yet, but, like, with Sun Hurt, I think we might have the opportunity to give Vinicius the chance in the league to show that, that we should pay the $35 million for him. And I agree with you. We're probably around 20 is probably, like, a reasonable price at from what we've seen, but if we see some amazing shit and just tons of goals and big Premier League matches for the rest of the season, um, maybe he is worth what they're asking. And, uh, but but regardless, I think it's uh, it's something we have to consider. With uh, um, given the circumstance, are we going to find anybody better as to be our backup striker, uh, Luke, Lucas? No, and I don't think we will. We've tried that. We've tried Soldado, many goals in La Liga. We've tried. Uh, freaking Janssen, who I will still defend on Janssen. Yeah, I have his... Zlatan! I have his... Zlatan! I still have his scarf on my wall, but it's, here's the thing, is we're probably going to get 35 mil minimum as the release clause for Regulon. Like, do you think Regulon stays here? Maybe. Like, do you think Madrid's, think Madrid's not buying him back? It's actually 45. Of course they are. 45. No, it's, it's, 40, it's, it's 45. It's 45 the second year. It's 35, then wanted, 45. Yeah, well, so it's they're like, probably not going to exercise the option on him this year. Okay. Well, so they would be insane. They'd be insane not to do that. And we all know that it, at the end of the day, it is his choice. So my hope is that Regulon's misses being a model loves London so much that he stays. But we'll talk about that on a different podcast. Even if we if Regulon goes like there's 35 mil, we could get Vinicius, have him stay. I, are we gonna find? I remember I was Callum Wilson was who I wanted this past summer. 
I was begging for Callum Wilson. And then credit to Levy. Like, Levy's like, oh, what about this guy? Get him on a loan. Bam. This has been the best backup striker I think I could remember since Pavichinko. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that, that should have been a starter. I though. think I think you still need to see more of him in the Premier League than just this one game. But you and, know what? And, We're gonna have. And, he's gonna and, have a chance. I think, and I think we will. And I yeah. think we will. I know I it's gonna be right really now, interesting these last like nine games. I think these last. I think these last nine or eight games. I think it's nine. I, I think it's gonna be a tryout to see. Hey, who wants to be here and who doesn't? Who can play with Harry Kane and who can't? Lorente was. I got the lamppost Lorente jokes, but that's pretty much what he was. I can he was score effective. off a header or I can, I can hold up play. But, like, this is a guy that can find himself in the right positions and get tap-ins. This is a guy that can actually shoot. Like, this is a guy that has creativity. This is a guy you actually want, especially if Harry Kane's going to have the ankles of fucking Bambi. <laughs> oh, geez. That is a weird analogy, but okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, um, I... I any final thoughts before we go to MVP, LVP? Like, uh, Are I think we talking about Villa? <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, we're talking about Villa. Nate has a final thought. One more. I just want to say, like, that I, I just want to kind of, like, make the point again that, like, we talked about, you guys, we mentioned, like, fourth is a long shot, and we talked about how awful the week was before. Right now, as it stands, we're three points out. We have... I think nine, ten games left. We are Eight Premier League games City. left. We are tied with Manchester or City. Is top of the form table. Top. Even with that loss to Arsenal. Top of the form table. Hopefully you'll get a trophy for that. Um, five, we've won five of six Premier League games. We have Newcastle next. Knock on wood, but we don't fuck that up. But I looked at Chelsea's schedule. Chelsea still has to play West Ham, Arsenal, Man City, and Leicester. And Aston Villa with Grealish probably back. Not to mention they're in an FA Cup semifinal. Not to mention they're in a, Chel- they're in a Champions League quarterfinal against Porto, which is one of the weaker teams left, which means they more than likely will make it to the semifinal. They're in three competitions. We're now in one plus a cup final, which we don't even have to play a midweek game for anyway because it's been moved out. So, like, I disagree, Lucas and Tommy. Well, top four is definitely possible. So I said it was possible. Out. Oh, sorry, Tommy. I don't think it's totally out of the question. Thomas Tuchel hasn't lost the game yet, but they're going to run through a gauntlet now with three competitions in that rough Premier League schedule left. And, and all West it takes Ham, is one. West Ham, we saw them totally shit the bed against Arsenal. They're three nothing. Like that team is still like that team ain't been here before. So you could see them dropping it. You know, like I could see them like. Get, like the pressure gets on, they fucking fall apart. Liverpool, who knows? Everton, they're a game. Yeah, they have a game ahead of us, and we're only two points ahead of them. But I mean, it's still Everton, uh, right? We, so we, like, and we I play don't think them. It's as big of a like, long shot as some others will make it out to believe. I think right. like when you look at our schedule, we have United, Everton, and Leicester is kind of hard games. Nate, maybe Villa Nate, at home. It's kind of Nate. Real quick, want to just jump in and join. I'm going to join you a bit here. I still don't have the confidence that we can finish top four. But I will say this. is This is this first season, especially, has been a tale of, like, weeks at a time. The Thursday before this one, we were living on five straight wins on the bounce. Everything was going great. We had bail. Life was grand. In four days, 
everything blew up. And it's been the other way, too, is before we won five straight wins on the bounce, it was, oh, Mourinho's going to get sacked. And then we won five straight on the bounce. So I think, look, it, it, it this season, especially with COVID and how crazy everything's been, who knows? I don't think we can do it, but I pray we can do it. And maybe we can. We'll find out. But I, yeah, I love I the fact it's that like, at least it's, all a play at least it's still I'm a possibility. Saying. It's a possibility. Like in spite how awful we all feel, we could end the season top four with a trophy, and it would be the best season in 20 years. Yeah. Plus. That could, that could like, still happen. That's, that's it's, what's it's brilliant. Like, it, it, it's not even like, it, it, oh, it's, a, like, it's an outside chance. No, it is totally on the table to happen, despite everything we've been through, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. No, that's how I want to kind of end this. It, that's like, where I was going to like, MVP, LVP, right, for Villa? Yeah, and yeah, bring it with positive. No, like it, this season has been such a roller coaster, but the possibilities are still there. It's just watching the possibilities that we were like Europa League. We watched that possibility go away, and that was a, such a system shock to us. Oh yeah, no, definitely. but there's there's still some chips on the table. Like uh, there's some some uh, success to be had that we can uh, look towards still, and and maybe it's good to start spinning positive and use this Aston Villa. Matt as a good jumping point for that. So uh, I think this is a good point to go to MVP, LVP, and we're going to start MVP with Catherine first. I'm going to say Lucas because he had urgency, he had quickness, he had crisp, pass- crisp passes, he had good movement, he had great footwork. He just really busted his ass this match. And so I'm saying Lucas. Okay, Lucas is... Uh, t- Nate? Um, Lucas Moro, without a doubt. Um, I do want to do, I want to highlight his, I mean, we talked about him a lot. Catherine said everything. I, I want to highlight a couple other things. Hey, Harry Kane. God love him. Like, he did everything we wanted. The penalty, personally, I think he drew it on purpose. I think he, he saw Cash coming in hard and let the ball go. Threw that guy in. And that was glorious because people got really mad about that. And I love when Harry Kane pisses off just about everybody aside from Spurs fans. Uh, so that was wonderful. And Hoybier and Ndombele. We need a response from the midfield, which I think has been the bi- biggest cause of all our problems, or most of our problems. So to see them come in and dominate against the team when we needed the midfield to finally dominate again was very refreshing. So I want to mention all of this. Good. Good shouts there. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Tommy next. Yeah, I do agree with Lucas Moore as well, but I do want to highlight a stat that I saw on Sky Sports Stat 2. Man of the match, uh, Lucas Moore, of course, assists for the first goal. Most chances created, four. Most touches, 85. Most dribbles, eight. And most fouls won six. So that says it all. Yeah. No, I, I, I certainly agree with everything you just said there. Let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, I, I think mine was definitely Sanchez. Uh, no. <laughs> of course, it was Lucas Mora. Um, mm-hmm. I think the thing about Lucas that makes him so special is it, it doesn't matter if he can complete that last ball all the time. The fact that he keeps challenging defenders against teams that aren't as good as us. I respect the crap out of that. And how many yellows 
does Lucas draw compared to anyone else on our team? By just simply running at people. And how many goals do we get because of it? It's I, I love to see it, and I think he's excelled in this 10 role. So, yeah, Lucas. Yeah, and I am going to agree with everybody. It's Lucas Moore for me. Um, I never would have put Lucas Moore. Like, I looked at his skill set and what we had. I'm like, yeah, he can run with the ball. All he can do is run at players and then fail from there. Uh, but he, but he's 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 found a way to. You mean Sissoko? To prove me wrong? No, he no. He's found a way to prove me wrong because that's what I, how I started to view Lucas for a long time, and he, he he's he showed us that like no, he can do a lot, a hell of a lot more than that, and he, he's earned my respect. He he definitely gets my MVP. The player I want to highlight on the outside is Tanganga. I I th- I think like. He made some amazing fucking clearances in this match that we would not have gotten the clean sheet on if uh, if it hadn't been for for him. Like uh, and uh, and Anthony, he's playing in a role that was not even like that's not even his best role. He's a center back, but to have him as that right back option, he is a special talent. Yeah, no, I I. I I was sold on him uh, in the way he performed in this match. And I know Aston Villa is not that good. Uh, the, we don't have to worry about that intensive attack, but he, he certainly stepped up to the plate and, and made some key clearances and saved that defense that was uh, when it was about to crumble several times, which that's our big problem. Our defense crumbles in the most inopportune times, and he prevented that from happening. So, if Lucas Moore hadn't been Lucas Moore that match, Tanganga would have been my MVP for this one, but it's got to go to Lucas. Um, well, an amazing conversation there. Let's go to LVP next. Like, no, this is a 2-0 victory. Um, uh, does, do people have an LVP in this one? And, like, we started with uh, Catherine last time. We'll start with Tommy this time. Huh. Um, I don't know. I guess this might be... I'll answer this with a question, I guess. Did Lo Celso really do anything? Because I didn't really notice him. No, it's like I didn't notice him the whole first half, at least. It's... Okay. So I'm not going to hold it against him, per se, but I guess others just curious. But other than that, I'll just say nobody right now. Okay, uh, Lucas? Yeah, uh, Tommy basically teed me up there. Uh, Lo Celso oh. was my definite LVP. Lacelso was the least valuable person out there. Now, is that due to fitness? Is he trying to work his way back? That's why I'm not going to hang it over his head like it's a consistent thing. But I, I, again, we were all at the pub. We watched it together. I'm like, I didn't notice him out there for 40 minutes. Like, for a guy of his talent and his caliber, I, I need to see him doing more in a game like that against Villa. But, yeah, I... I I want to soften the blow, like what Tommy alluded to. I think that a lot of that is probably fitness. He's just coming back, but yeah, Lo Celso for me was an absolute ghost. And just to save some time, Lo Celso is my pick as well for the same reason that you guys put up. But let's go to Catherine next. I was in between picking either Lo Celso as well, mainly because he does have lack of fitness. And so he wasn't like what Lucas is saying was a little bare bones of what his talent actually is. And then also he got a yellow card too, right before coming off. So it was like, was that really necessary? Um, and then 
my second one would have been Vinicius only because of his inexperience in the Premier League and not having, because I think that was the first time that him and Kane had played together and started. And so even just having that uh, be the first time out and and not, even though, yes, I know he got a goal and, and you guys were all talking about Vinicius and what he costs and everything. But I think that uh, he he also got yellow card too. So um, Vinicius, just with, yeah, but his his was him. awesome though. His his <laughs> yellow card was like I'm fired up. Like that was pretty badass. I was excited. Yeah, it wasn't that. even that. Like he got away with one before that one that was definitely a yellow where he basically just tackled a dude in transition and Mike. And then Gio the got the yellow card for actually yelling about it to the ref. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. It was so weird. Um, but I, yeah, I so I would say those two. But like I said, I do have caveats for both of them. So don't yell at me, anybody listening or the four of you. <laughs> so everybody yell at Catherine. Please. You guys can that, DM that, that, Catherine with your anger at Catherine. No, at... don't do that. Don't do that either. Uh, Nate, uh, I think you're next. Mine is uh, double dose of Sissoko this week, boys and girls. Um, Ooh. Nate picks Sissoko. He was only on for eight minutes. And in that eight minutes, he pissed me off. Um, I, you guys are assuming you can see, assuming you're seeing the rounds of the Jaffa Tanganga block. We've already talked about how great it was at the end of the week. What you don't see or what you do see is in that same moment, Tanganga basically comes in behind Sissoko to make that block. Sissoko's in front of him and even in a better position to make the block. But Sissoko doesn't make the block. Sissoko lazily sticks the leg out and misses the ball. And that just about sums up what I've seen from him in the last couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, done with you, buddy. I've, I've, I've retired his jersey. It's literally been hanging in my, uh, in my house out the window for all the season. And that, Nate, and is it's the, the point it's the that I wanted to bring up to you. It's the 2019 Champions League jersey. Yeah, you know, yeah, the goofy-ass yeah. turquoise. It's the green one. one. Yeah. Nate and I, Close Nate my and I heart. both bought, Nate and I both bought a very risky jersey that summer. He went with Sissoko. I went with Serge Aria in that same classic green Champions League Mine was uh, the part of the Carabao Cup. And I like to think that mine is uh, working out a little bit better. Mine is... My surge purchase is class. I'm fine with mine because I've retired that jersey. So everything that's happened since that jersey retirement is not on me. And that's what... Let's talk a little Newcastle, shall we? Um, But yeah, because God, we've been talking for way too long. Yeah, okay. So we're going to do a really quick preview of Newcastle. They're shit. We should beat the fuck out of them. That's all I have to say. After the international... And their accents are terrible. Hey. Oh, hey. Oh, Jordy scum. Not on this podcast, Jordy Trashbags. Okay, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. Cheryl Cole is good looking, but I saw a video yesterday of like Americans try to decipher what Jordys are saying, and it was I'm like, all I heard was like Miami Dolphins, Steelers, and Newcastle United, and that was it. Um, it was it was rough. Not cultured. Anthony, well, let's hear about this team, shall we? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's 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 set this game up before we get like all of our uh, Newcastle fans uh, attacking us, right? Um, so uh, Newcastle away, we play this Sunday. It's eight oh five a.m. next Sunday or Easter Sunday. I'm sorry, Easter Sunday. Sorry to interrupt. April fourth. Um, they're currently sitting seventeenth place in the league with twenty eight points at seven wins, seven draws, and fifteen losses. Most recently, uh, this weekend they they lost to Brighton away, the team that they are competing with to stay above 
uh, relegation zone. Um, uh, it, so they lost three nil to them there. They, prior to that, they drew Villa, uh, drew West Brom, drew Wolves, lost and lost to Man United. Um, upcoming after us, they take on Fulham, who's trying to get out of relegation. So they have this big relegation battle that's coming just after us. Um, and we are the kind of this sandwich game between their relegation fight um, that we might be ripe for the picking because we've been pretty sloppy as of late. Um, so uh, we could probably test. skip their like we could skip their like goals and yeah, uh, their top goal scorer is Callum Wilson with ten. He's uh, out for the season, uh, I think. Uh, and he's out for the season. Miguel Almiron is behind him with four, so they don't have much else there. Um, uh, Alan Saint. Maximum is their top assist with three, with Callum Wilson with, had five, but he's obviously not available. He was their top-rated player as well, um, but John Joe Shelby's behind him with 6.9. So, yeah, there's not much here without the uh, without Callum Wilson is kind of the story. The last five times we faced them, we drew them most recently in September, kind of a disappointing 1-1 that we want to get back at them for. Um, prior to that, like in July 20, 2020, uh, we beat them 3-1, which was kind of a big win for Jose after the restart. Um, and then we we go to a 1-0 lo- a, a loss in August 2019, a 1-0 win in February 2019, and a 2-1 win in August 2018. So it's kind of a bit of mixed results here, but, um, but a, a team that's done us wrong in the past, uh, but also a team that, uh, that we've handled well recently so uh let's go with lucas first on this uh yeah kind of what you led up to there was that the most important one of those games is the one one from september when i i think we got robbed of one of the biggest that's going to be the one that we regret the most of the season was the cheekiness in which they just whipped it up to andy carroll got that dire handball all off a penalty that never or a free kick that never should have existed. Like, this is a team that I watched them play 90 minutes against Villa, and we now know what the Villa team is without Jack Grealish. They're not very good. And this was a team that just got bullied at home by Villa. Watch that. Don't mind the Brighton game where they just got waxed as well. Um, But I I have no problem going up to St. James for this one because I think if there's any bit of intensity in us, they're going to want to rectify that game from the fall where we got absolutely robbed at White Hart Lane. So I think we go up and make a statement and we just smash them. This is not a team that even belongs on the same pitch as us, even in our worst form. Like this team has no business being with us. We're going to smash them. Uh, Catherine, we'll go to you next. Thank you. Uh, the honorary semi-majority over here, because I live there for the for like 13 months um, in Newcastle. It's a beautiful city. I definitely understand what fans are going through because it's, frankly, it's a shit show going up at at Newcastle United, that is. Um, Mike Ashley has no interest in the club that he owns, uh, especially before and after the failed Saudi takeover. Plus, uh, Steve Bruce has no idea what he's doing with formation. He doesn't know how to play his players like Dwight Gale. He likes, but he doesn't play Dwight Gale in the right position. Joe Linton is, he doesn't. Gale's your man, Gale's your man from Crystal Palace, right? 
Hmm? Yeah. Gale's Gale, Gale yeah. used to be... He was at Palace, yeah. right? Okay, gotcha. Um, Go on. Joe Linton, he's a striker forward, but he doesn't score. You have Andy Carroll, who is a tree. Um, you have even more than Laurent, Fernando Lorente. Um, you have people like Miguel Al- Almiron, who actually plays well for them when he is in the proper system. You have um, people like John Joe Shelby, who is kind of just there. And he, even though he's plays well, he's, he just co- doesn't really do much for them. Um, they have no identity. And so even though Spurs have been playing off and on, uh, good and bad, and it really depends on the day of the week, really, uh, for Tottenham. It doesn't depend on the day of the week for Newcastle. They just don't have a system worth playing for. And and they're, they just got beaten by Brighton. And so now they are looking for uh, relegation. And so I think that with people being out uh, of... From, from injury, because St. Maximin is injured. Uh, they have people who are injured. And so with all the injuries that they have, with all of the kind of blasé players that they have, I do think that this is a fairly winnable game if we have our heads in the, in the match. Yeah, quick point from Lucas. Yeah, I, and I just wanted to touch on exactly what Catherine just like brought up there with the fact that they – like when you think about it, like, oh, well, we want to finish top four, but they want to avoid relegation. Well, they just had an opportunity to avoid relegation against a team that they very much needed to beat or at least get a point against in Brighton that was competing for the same goals, basically, there. And they went to Brighton, they got waxed 3-0. So I, I don't think that we can think that, oh, well, they're trying to avoid relegation is a reason that they're going to be up for it. They couldn't be up for Brighton away. Why are they going to be up for Tottenham at home? Like we're gonna. I mean, I, I got to think that we're going to be more excited about finishing top four, or at least in a European place, than they are about steaming off relegation. If they couldn't even get up for Brighton, who they need to, they needed to get a point against. Yeah, uh, Nate. I just want to say because I mean, there's not much more to say than you guys have said. I mean, Catherine nailed it for Steve Bruce. I mean. I only, I think, like, whatever, like, the media is protecting him. But in reality, he should have been gone months ago. He has basically dragged them down with just horrible management. I know they've had a ton of injuries, but he has not helped them whatsoever. That dude is a dinosaur, and he needs to stay in the championship or retire and come out and wave to Man United fans for the rest of his life because he is absolutely useless in the management. Um, and we might lose or draw, and I will still have that opinion. He's garbage. Um... After that, though, as you guys have said, this game will be lost or won by Tottenham. We will win it or we will lose it. Newcastle doesn't play a factor for me. Um, It's all about our attitude. If we show up with the attitude we had against Bell, we will win this game easily. Um, That's really it. They are a garbage side. I think they are the worst in the league right now, and I'm just waiting for Ford to get enough be able to finish a fucking chance to be able to get out of that relegation. What's worse than Sheffield United? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because uh, side, side note, uh, last five, they've lost two, tied three. Sheffield United, they actually won one of those five games. So, no, I mean, at all, the draft game, 
If we lose this game, it is down to us and only us. Newcastle is not a factor in this game. This is a game we should dominate. Um, okay. I, I, Newcastle, for me, are the, my, the least fun team to watch this season. They're garbage now. Well, well, let's go to prediction. Nothing against this country. I mean, the fans are great, and the state, and the city seems wonderful, and Pac is a wonderful wrestler from Newcastle. Tommy, we get that. <laughs> um, well, let's go to but, predictions, and let's start with Tommy first. Ah, cripes. Uh, I do predict to win. I'm going to sm- – This it's kind of – Nate kind of alluded to it, but it's also like what kind of – team does Jose put out for this? Is it going to be the power lineup, or is he going to roll with it with Aston Villa from yesterday? I'm just going to say it's a 2-0 win, where not conservative, not overly outlandish, but it's a very feasible scoreline. Goal scorers, I'll say Kane, and I'll give one to Mora. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Catherine next. I am going to one-up Tommy and say 3-0 to Spurs, and that the goal scores will be Kane and Lamella, and let's, you know, I'm going to stick with my guy and go with Bergvine again. Yes! Oh, I love it. Hey, do you get any lottery numbers for me, too? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to Nathan next. Um... Five, nothing. Huge win. Vinicius hat trick. Kane with one. Jungman's son back from injury with another. Total de- destruction. We're making top four. I love, I, I love that result, Nate. I hope that happens. Uh, but let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, mine's a little bit different. Um, we have, now that we only have one game a week to care about, we still have to remember that the next games are United the next weekend, Everton the next weekend, and then City in the cup final. So I don't think we'll be as aggressive. Um, I think we'll probably get a 2-0 win. I say Kane gets one and Bale gets one. You know. I like it. Easy, easy 2-0, though. We'll see it out. I think it's uh, – I'm going to say 3-1. They find some random way to get a goal because teams do that against us, our leaky defense. But um, but I think uh, we get a goal from Kane, we get a goal from Mora, and we get a substitution goal from Bale, who comes on in this one. I think uh, that's uh, that, that's what we can expect to see in this one. Um, but I think anyway, like we're setting up, like it, this is one that we should win. Hopefully the results around us in the table go our way and we can kind of start keep our creep up the table and uh, move the move into positions where we might be able to think about top four i do think nate has a good point that like we're positioned better than a lot of other teams that are up there um but uh, we haven't shown the heart in a long time that we we could do that especially watching that europa league match this past week it makes it easy to just get despondent and and question our ability to to accomplish these tasks that they need to accomplish as simple as they seem to be. Um, but that's kind of the, uh, where we're at at this point. And as we can blame the players, we can blame the, the coach. It's we, We've been negative this episode. We've been positive. But this has been a great conversation all around. Are there any final thoughts before we 
wrap things up today. Well, I oh, I was just going to say, with the way things have been going, I know it's kind of been seesawing, but we kind of ended things on a high with the international break, but it'll actually be nice to take a breather, see Sweden beat Estonia, beat Georgia, hopefully. Oh, no. And, uh, oh, and no. Formula <laughs> One and MotoGP are on this weekend, starting the season. I... So it'll be nice to take a break from Spurs for a Speaking little bit. Speaking of Estonia... Tottenham have a player that was called up to Estonia's national team. We have an under-18 defender that got his first international call-up. So for for the senior team? Tommy. Yeah. No, for the senior team. Was oh, he, isn't he like 18 years old? Yeah, he's 18. I thought it was for the youth Estonia, team. Estonia, Captain. Don't, don't grow out trees out there. Well, if... I don't know that. Have you, you ever been to Estonia? No, but I have a friend from Latvia, and it's the same. <laughs> no. Well, if, if Tommy's just going to rattle off random sports, then Catherine and I, our beloved Minnesota Twins, will be kicking off soon. So let's for them as well. Yeah, what a wonderful – it will have a wonderful campaign to second place in the AL Central. Well, this has, <laughs> been, this has been an amazingly great episode, but a long episode. Uh, but I think we need to have that before this, this break. Uh, oh, we need to air it out. No, you guys can listen to us for two weeks. And, Lucas and Nathan needed to air and, it. And we'll you guys back. can like, you can microdose on this episode because it's yeah. like two and, hours. And, and we're gonna start like 20, a poll too, as well. Like, do you guys, if you guys all think as listeners that Nate and I should just branch off and make our own podcast, let us know because we could probably monetize that. <laughs> we could ditch this four star Spurs crap behind. So, Nate, when you're ready, hey, and ready. also listen, and also hey, listen hey, to hey, our hey, podcast on Spotify and uh, Spotify. Stitcher and Spotify. But that about wraps it up. So uh, thanks to uh, Tommy for editing and sound tonight, Charlie for the music, Kevin, so- Kevin for social media, Tommy for uh, Weekend Spurs history, um, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It's great for them to be open and us to be back there. Um, definitely uh, check us out on uh, on both Stitcher and Spotify. Um Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever else you're getting your podcast at. Um, Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.